This is the small business podcast that is sweeter than all the rest. Marketing, media, and cupcakes. Welcome to Marketing, Media, and Cupcakes. I'm John Ondo. I'm a filmmaker and a media influencer. Along with me is my beautiful wife, Angel. Hi there. She is a customer experience expert, and she is also a fabulous baker of cupcakes, cakes, and all things of a baking nature. Yes. And uh, it is the holiday season. and we. Tis it our, is. From our family to yours, we hope you're having a great one during the dumpster fire year of 2020. <laughs> and uh, one of the things we want to, we're going to talk about several things today. We're going to get into, um, well, something very helpful. We're a little lighter, kind of, kind of lighter topics today. One of the things you're going to talk about is what happens when I come home. Well, I actually work from home, but what happens when <laughs> I come upstairs and say, oh, there's a party tonight and we need to bring something and you need to dazzle up some kind of quick uh, you know, little cellophane wrap plate of treats. I have three things that should be relatively easy that I think most people would have these things in their pantry or in their refrigerator that they could throw something together. And then we're going to talk about one of the things I'm passionate about we haven't talked about in a long time is uh, documentaries. I love documentaries. I've watched several this week. and uh, But what we're going to talk about, I'm going to give you a list of my five personal favorites mm-hmm. and why I love them. And if you're a media expert or you're a marketing person or whatever, this will also give you some insight into things I look for in storytelling for media. But first, this is the thing we want to get into a little bit as small business owners. We knew this was coming this Christmas. I think to the degree, I think, is what they weren't expecting. And they're saying it's because, you know, they have cases of COVID. The shipping has caused a tremendous problem with small businesses because if you need your widgets and so forth to make your small business run and you can't get them, that's a problem. Uh, I know we are actually speaking to you from our new studio, which sounds very elaborate, but really it's 20 feet from the old studio. We just moved rooms. Um, And I had some, some acoustical installation I needed. Normally, this stuff I can get in a couple of days. It, it it took four days for them just to ship it. And, you know, it's COVID, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was, you know, speaking with our lovely, she's not an optometrist. What is she? Whatever the eye doctor is. I should know that. I think. Isn't that, an opto- isn't that an optometrist? I guess it is an optometrist. I was thinking it was a different name. But anyway, <laughs> I was speaking to her today, and, you know, they, they had an amazing process. You got a text when you arrive, and then they once they want you in the building, they they text you to come in, please, and so you're not waiting in the waiting room, and they run the temperature check, and then, I mean, I was in and out of there in a half hour. It was phenomenal, but she was telling me while I was burning her time up about, you know, she had a guy the, the day before. She's hired some new people, but she had a patient come in, had to wait 45 minutes because I'm sure there was delays with somebody else or something going on, and he was just infuriated and upset and I'm like, well, normally you wait 45 minutes most times at a doctor. So I don't know what you thought you were going to get yesterday. But she is like, you know, at times you just wonder why I do this. And, you know, I think those of us who are in small businesses, we are, we're very frustrated right now. Um, you're either frustrated maybe at a supplier, uh, a, a shipping person, or your customer for being a jerk. And so everybody is doing everything they can. And if if you are listening and you're not a small business owner, you, when I look at these restaurants and the, well, again, I was talking to our eye doctor. It's like they change the rules on her every day mm-hmm. here in the state of Ohio. It's it's constant. You don't know when you wake up if I can do business today. Yeah. So it's a real. Um, again, my hearts go out to the restaurants and the bars and everybody, everybody else. And uh, you know, we uh, we just want to say, as we always say, we are here for you at our podcast. We want to be here to help you and encourage you. And the thing I will always say. 
is don't give up the dream. You know, if you this restaurant you have is a dream, or this this you know like our our son's uh, shirt business, you know this is this is your dream. Don't give up on it. It's going to get better. You do have to adapt, but please, if you're a business owner, don't give up your dream. I think people what people forget is they kind of forget themselves when they're in these positions and they get to a level of frustration and they think the individual that they're yelling at or talking to somehow is the one who caused the problem. Right. And they are not the one who caused the problem. They're hopefully if they're good at their job, they're trying to solve the problem. But you walking into a post office now screaming and yelling about something not showing up or you God forbid, waiting for your postman outside your house, you know, for a package. They're doing the best they can. And I know, you know, it's it's just let's remember this the time of year that it is, the, the type of year we've had, and just attempt to be kind. Put yourself in their shoes. Remember before you speak, before you raise your voice, just like you have a job to do, they also have a job to do. Let me ask you this, though, and this kind of goes off our last episode, the seven things you shouldn't say in like a phone conversation, customer mm-hmm. service. W- what do you recommend for the business owners listening? They get that hot call. Hey, I needed this for Christmas. I needed this for January 1, and you're telling me now it's not going to be there. And it's it, you know it's of no fault of your own. You're expecting shirts to come in. They didn't come in. You can't make the shirts that you need. How do you respond? How do you put out that fire when a customer is like, you told me I could get it by Christmas and now you can't? Well, the hope would be that you never told somebody that yeah. because I think that is usually your kiss of death right there is mm-hmm. when you promise something you absolutely cannot guarantee. Yes. If you yourself are not the one shipping it, if you're not using a guaranteed shipper like a FedEx or a UPS or a DHL or, can they or whatever. Even guarantee though, right now. I mean, um, if you do, if you do okay. their premium shipping, yes, they they will. They, I mean, and they can compensate you. You can file claims to get your money back, and so on and so forth. Again, it's you know when you're doing standard U.S. mail, even if they allow you to have a tracking number, even if you do it premium, mm-hmm. it's still. When you've seen the backlogs, when you've seen the images of these distribution centers, I mean, I ordered something from BarkBox for my uh, Mm. grand puppy, and I got a notification that it was in Kentucky, and that was on December 7th. I could drive down there and get it. And it is now the 16th, and it's still showing Kentucky. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I mean, eventually it's going to ship. And fortunately, it's for a dog who's not going to know one way or the other. So, I mean, the only response you have to these scenarios, to back to your original question, is what is it you can do? Um, You can apologize, which unfortunately, you know, that's the best you can do. If there's something, depending on the type of business you have, whether that's offering, you know, some sort of a percentage refund or 10% or, off your next purchase or something you know, like that. Or if whatever you're shipping or have that you do have the ability to use some of these premium services and get them something different sent overnight. Um, you There's options. It's just unfortunately based on what your business type is or your business model as to how much you can and can't do. It, it always goes back to something I, I know we, we've talked about in previous podcasts. And if, you, if you're a new listener, go back to some of our, our past 70 plus episodes. Uh, but uh, uh, your, um, the response is always um, 
it's not the response. What's the word? Recovery. Yeah. It's your, it's the recovery that's the most important thing. Everybody knows that you may get an order wrong at a restaurant or you may get an order shipped wrong. It happens. It's the recovery. Mm-hmm. And so so I believe in one of the episodes, did you say not to blame? Like, do you say, well, it's not our fault. UPS didn't get it there. Is, is, You're better off not pointing fingers at mm-hmm. other at, at what truly occurred because it just makes you look small. It makes you not take ownership yeah. of your business. Um, you can state a fact. Um, because it's not, as long as you're not stating it from a, well, they did this. It's like, well, you may have heard that, you know, the postal service is having an issue right now. We put it Um, on the truck. It was expected to be there, but it's turned out we're getting notifications. Now they're going to be behind. Right now where there's snow in the, in the, uh, horrible snow, (laughs) but like in the Northeast and we have, you know, customers saying, am I going to get my order? Am I going to get my order? Because next week is Christmas and we're closed. And I was like, well, you almost want to say, well, sir, look out your window. I mean, we're going to do the best we can to get the product where it needs to go. But there are limitations when it comes to weather, when we have hurricanes, when we have things like that, that there are things that you do have your limits. Even FedEx, UPS, they have mm -hmm. their limits. If a plane can't take off because they can't de-ice the plane because it's negative, whatever, that 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 stuff's not going to get off the ground. Well, the one thing I think we 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 encourage everybody with business, and it's the weird world we live in, and it's not it's it's not because of COVID and the pandemic, but the COVID and the pandemic has has exposed the mm-hmm. culture. Yes, and the culture is uh, if I am a customer, I don't care if the earth is on fire. I expect it tomorrow. And if you're a business, unfortunately, most of them are like, "I'm sorry, the world's on fire. We're not doing business right now." It's it's two worlds. It's like I won't, I don't want to go to work today because of COVID, but yet I still expect all my packages to show up here. COVID has exposed that we are we are a. And I'm sorry, that sounds like a selfish culture. We expect it, expect it, no matter how risky it is to someone else. But if it's my risk, no, I'm not going into work. Uh, so anyway, it's, well, it, it's, I, I it's, think we got to adapt to that. I think that's where we're at in the world now. We are a society of people that require instant gratification. Mm-hmm. We no longer have patience to wait because we used, I mean, that was the standard. First of all, you never, you know, to get something in the mail outside of a letter or a bill was unheard of yeah. because the shipping these places didn't exist. These people didn't exist, you know, to that degree or the the cost was so exorbitant you couldn't. Right. But now in today's world where I can go online if I wanted to right now and tell someone to bring me, you know, ice cream <laughs> and 30 minutes later, some person shows up with ice cream. Entertain me now. Exactly. It's yes. like we, we yeah. have no patience and everything is so fast. Everything is instantaneous. I want to watch a movie. Well, no, you don't wait for the movie to come out. You... I've got the movie right now. I'm on yeah. some random site, and I've got the movie now. So, so it, I think we, we as a society, have lost the ability to wait. We have yes. no patience. And so when we've lost the ability to have that, I mean, I remember sitting in doctor's offices. Mm. Well, hello, when have, I ne- when have I ever walked right in? Never. 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 Infinity ever. So the fact that people suddenly think this is going to be different or the fact that COVID hasn't made it worse, you've, well, then think, you've lost your marbles. I think it's going to be real interesting. And I think the take home on this whole conversation is 
there will be some good things, I think, that we will develop best practices-wise. I thought what they did at the eye doctor day was phenomenal. I love that I walked in and nobody else was in the lobby, and, and I had the full attention of the two people that were there. And in, in my mind, I'm like, you can keep this process after yeah. COVID. This, I would rather sit in my car Thank and you. get a text. That's exactly what I was going to say. And let me know that I can come in. And I got in and out in a half an hour. Yep. And it was because I didn't feel like I, people were getting sidetracked. So it depends on your experience. But I think the, the thing that we're saying here for best practices for your business is uh, this is exposed where our culture is. And if there's anything we, we, we know at our age, is that you can't change the culture. You have to adapt to it. Yes. So if your business is like, I don't want to have this, I don't want to do this, then my suggestion is, well, then you, you're going to have a problem. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to adapt to uh, the online culture or maybe change some things. Maybe your business won't be affected at all, but, it, but you need to take a good look at the fact that this has exposed some things. And I think this COVID has exposed, I think there's a, a lot of restaurants that are doing some phenomenal deals because they've learned we can't offer everything, but we can do this and we can do it faster and cheaper. Mm-hmm. Okay, please hang on to that. I I want that. And I think there's going to be some changes. So anyway, that's just kind of our end of year synopsis of uh, uh, customer service and and just changes and, uh, and, and suggestions we would make is as you look into the next year for best practices and so forth. Uh, where were the weaknesses this year? How can you adapt? And even though there's a vaccine and we're going to be, we are going to be coming out of it soon. Um, there, there, there still be maybe some good things about this that you've learned from COVID that you can uh, still make your business better. And I think part of that is if you don't have a current strategy, if you don't have a current best practice for what to do when these kind of events happen, whether it be the next hurricane, snowstorm, yep. God only knows what other paper, whatever uh, shortage, yeah, shortage, something. Have have one or two things that you have figured out based on your business model that you can do to compensate an upset customer. Focus on if the you, best. If yep. you have, if you already have it, then you're not making stuff off, making things up on the fly. Absolutely. What is it that you can have in your arsenal that says, okay, these are the two things that I know out of the gate. I'll it's it's minimal cost and it's going to be impactful. Then we have those two things at the ready. Um, but if you're never sitting down and coming up with those ideas, then you're always going to be kind of second guessing and mm-hmm. you just, you're going to end up losing money in the end. So having something already prepared is probably best. Preparation prevents poor performance. So again, if you're new to our podcast, we uh, we like talking about best practices in marketing media and with baking cupcakes, and uh, we're going to get to some good cupcake things in a minute. But if you want to check us out on social media, we are on Twitter, we are on Instagram, we are on Facebook, we are on YouTube, all under Marketing Media Cupcakes. And if you want to email us or look at our website, the website is marketingmediacupcakes.com. You can leave us a voicemail to ask us a question, and we will do the best to uh, at least tell you what, what we think about that. So I thought it'd be kind of fun. I know it's the holidays and everybody wants to wind down a little bit. So I thought maybe we could I could talk about my five personal favorites of mine uh, for different styles of telling a story. And that's what documentaries are, it's telling a story. The first one's a fairly new one. And, and, and you are going to see a theme because as Angel knows when she asks me all the time, <laughs> hey, have you seen this movie? And I'm like, does it have a spaceship? Does it have a car? 
What's the other thing I always ask? And that's for? pretty much and it. That's pretty much it. Spaceships or cars. That's it. And there, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't see that because it didn't have that, or sometimes uh, some kind of music background thing. So even then, you're still like, no, I haven't <laughs> seen <laughs> that. So one I really recommend uh, that I really love is Apollo 11. Of course, it is about space and spaceships. What's unique about this? Now that was recently came out, 2019. right? 2019. Okay, so this back, was a recent one. Back in, back when we could go to the theater and watch it. Yes. Um, now, first of all, if you rent Apollo 11 and it's on uh, Apple and everywhere else, um, please don't watch it on an iPad. Don't watch it on your iPhone. You need to find a friend who has the THX... Dolby surround sound and the biggest 4K TV because what makes this part of what makes this documentary, especially for somebody like me who was a kid when this all kind of happened, um, is the amazing sound and the amazing restoration they did to the original um, 35 millimeter film that they did. They took this, these original films, restored them, they scanned them in in 16K. So they're, they're like you know, obviously four times higher resolution scanned in and that was allowed, allowed. So when you see this, especially the first like five minutes of this film, you're going to sit there and go, this was shot yesterday. It looks like it is actual digital, you know, today's quality film, but it's actually the footage from 1969. They've done some audio restoration and, and, and done some things in the mix, but that's the technical part of the film. The real amazing thing is they tell the story. There is no interviews in this film. It kind of threw me because I didn't know how this film was going to be. Everybody can do documentaries in different style. And it's basically narrated from all the TV newscasters, a lot of Walter Cronkite. A good part of that team that did that film were right here in Columbus, Ohio. So when I got to go see it, it was like a lot of Columbus people were there because they were all pumped. So that's a great – you've watched it with me. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Again, I, don't, I cannot say I before I met John – had ever watched a single documentary. I, I really can't, other than what I enjoyed in school, which most other people did not enjoy, were the lovely, I call them factory videos that yeah. they would show you in science, oh, yeah. where they would show something being made, bread in a you know the Wonder Bread factory, or they'd show bolts being made. And American industry a, is booming in yes. Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, yes, yeah. and I loved so, those. Everyone like- else was asleep. And those I enjoyed well, we watching. we were just glad to have something to do with the class. But that was, you know, they, they, the, the old style of documentary was, what, for lack of a better word, is, was a propaganda documentary. Oh, yes. And, and, and I had to say that I've done documentaries that are absolutely propaganda in the sense that they are here to promote a specific thing. And that's the thing I love about documentaries versus a – you can do a documentary that's fair and balanced. You're welcome to. But documentaries are typically the one place in film – that if you want to say, hey, there is some something here that's not right, or there's something here that's not being a story that's not being told by the mainstream media, this is what this is the place to do it. Yeah, that's the format for for getting that kind of message. Out. Absolutely. So, and that's one of the reasons I love documentaries. It's about real life. It's about real stories versus film, which is like we wrote it. It's all made up. The next documentary you and I watched this together. You really enjoyed it. It's called Sound City. Yes. Two thousand a two thousand thirteen documentary. It was produced by David Grohl of uh Foo Fighters. Yes. But this he was obviously in Nirvana before that. Which I didn't know that. That's I'm I mean I loved Nirvana. I loved Teen Spirit. Don't get me started. I'll start singing along. Um but he I didn't realize and he was he was so passionate 
in what he was doing yeah. and the whole studio and the history of the studio. So what what this it was is, fan- it was amazing. It's an interesting, and I love this as a documentary guy. It's a great documentary that you think you're you're seeing the history about the studio in L.A. that was a dump that, but. All well, not all, but most of the big classic records of the '70s, Fleetwood Mac, and up through Nirvana and other bands, cut their stuff there. Even though it's really a movie about a soundboard that did all this stuff and how Grohl bought it and moved it, um, it really becomes the magic of of music and mm, and very much so. And, and it's just a great movie. There's a story behind every one of these records that have ever been made. This is a fun one for me. Uh, another documentary, I, I can't remember if this is on Netflix or not. It's called Chaos on the Bridge. It's a William Shatner <laughs> documentary about Star Trek The Next Generation. And before you think, oh, really? no, you got to watch this. And, you know, I'm, I'm an old school Star Trek guy. I like The Next Generation, but I still like the original series quite a bit. And one of the reasons I liked the old show better than The Next Generation was there was a lot of things that were wrong. I, you, you, when The Next Generation came out, I'm like, this is not Star Trek. It gets into this in this documentary about Gene Roddenberry, who created Star Trek, and the changes he had made, and how they created this show. Um, it's it's a fascinating look into behind the scenes of this show, and the, and literally the chaos and the insanity that was going on when they were producing Star Trek: The Next Generation. Now, one of the things I like about this, and it, and it's something I'm going to be doing more of in future documentaries that I produce. Because, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about, well, here's when Patrick Stewart went in to meet with Gene Roddenberry or they met with the Paramount executives. There's no footage or f- photos like the Ken Burns style. What they did is they used animation. They used kind of cartoon animation. And a lot of documentaries have adapted that style in the last, um, oh, two or three years where instead of using photos or use the same photo of the same guy a thousand times or or the ones I really hate where they recreate it where it looks like it's, you know, a lookalike actor. And I'm like, that's not that person. <laughs> they're using cartoons, you know, and it they're really fun. And what's fun is they can go through and, and actually create even different scenes with it. Uh, so it's, it's a, it's, that's one of the things I love about that is their use of animation to tell the story uh, with pictures that you can't, nobody has access to. So, sure. That's a really cool one. Uh, another document, and this goes on the flip side of Apollo 11, which I said Apollo 11 is this great 4K sound. It's this documentary that's called That Guy Who Was In That Thing. And this documentary is about 16 actors, and every single one of them, you'll look at him and go, hey, oh, I don't know your name, but you're that guy that was in that thing. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I can't even tell you the names of some of these guys, but nope. it's the guy who plays the president in 24. It's the guy who does this, and all of them have done Star Trek episodes. Uh, it's the guy who was in a soap opera, and then he's in another. And you know these guys, yep. they've all been in Law Order, too. And they're telling their stories. The thing that's interesting about this is it looks like it in some places it was shot on a VHS camcorder. It's, yeah, some of the footage is a little bit sketchy. I'm not even sure if it's an HD documentary. I can't remember. I don't have the, the date, but it was it came out in the early 2000s. But it looks like it was shot by a guy like me. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to take my camera out, and I'm going to do the interview with you. There's shot, shots that aren't quite lit right, but it doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. The interviews are so good, and the content in those interviews are so good. It has me. I'll watch that anytime. 
So it's a good one thing I say about documentaries. You can't get away with that in feature film. You can't make a Marvel movie. Well, oh, you know what? We're just going to shoot it on bad mm-hmm. cameras and bad lighting. Exactly. Forget the CGI. We're but not going to do any of that. In a documentary, you can because we don't care as much. It, it's always great when you can have a big, you know, Apollo 11 or, or you know, Sound City we were talking about. It's beautifully shot and it's well done. But the thing about documentary, it really is about the content. I've watched some documentaries that were beautifully shot, beautifully lit. And I'm like, I can't watch this anymore because they're jumping around in the storyline and they weren't good at storytelling. The guy who was in that thing, not uh, not a beautifully edited, beautifully shot documentary, but a great documentary. And that's Super fun. What I, and that's what I love about that. So, so look that one up. So the next one you asked me, oh, Ken Burns, and this is my last one. Um, and again, I'll watch this anytime I can get, get it. I've got it on Apple. Uh, Ken Burns did a series, I think I'll call the American experience. And one of the, one of the documentaries in that is called empire of the air. And it is, I think it's a 90 minute documentary. It's very, uh, civil war style. Like all of his stuff, it's the same kind of style and look, but it's the look at the three men who created broadcasting, um, and it's it's a it's a fabulous story. Even as a broadcaster, I didn't know that much about it until I saw this film, and it's a great story because you you get to hear uh, the story of these three guys who were in in competition. At times, were together, and at times, were in competition. And by the end, they were all at each other's throats. And but they were the guys who created AM, FM, and television, and NBC and RCA and all that. And it's a fabulous story, and it's the it's the classic Ken Burns where you've got the good interviews with people, you've got the amazing writing and storytelling that he does. And since it's about radio, there's a lot of sound that he uses. And one thing you keep hearing from me, and this one thing I put a big emphasis on, is sound. If you are not focusing in your media, on your television, internet, whatever you're working on, on the sound quality, the voiceover talent, the sound effects, the little things, uh, the, it's, a, it's a saying I've learned from the very first year I worked in television is if you want to make your video look better, improve the sound. Because if you want that, that enhancement of the video, good clean sound with sound effects and the proper soundtrack will make all the difference in mm-hmm. the world. So The Empire of the Air, it's a great documentary. If you're not into radio or television, you may not get into it as much as I do. But the storytelling, and if you're like, oh, I don't really want to watch all you know, 80 episodes of the Civil War or baseball or something like that, then this is a one, one-shot documentary that you could watch if you haven't seen what Ken Burns does. Um, and again, I'm sure if he was here, he'd say, well, it's just telling a story. It's writing and telling a story. And so uh, those are just five you know, if you got time over the holidays and you're looking for some stuff to watch, uh, those are my personal favorites. There are there are great ones out there. Um, we just watched uh, the Bee Gees documentary. Just oh, came my out, word. and uh, fabulous. Talk about a walk down memory lane, and it literally reignited for me because my mother was a huge, huge fan, sure. and kind of reignited my love of their songs and their music because my mother played it all the time and I went online and I just started I went to YouTube and I just put in one of their things and it was just one after the other and I was like oh my god I'm like this is so amazing and I would watch that a million times over. They they did a great job on that documentary. Watch that and it's a very powerful ending because Barry is the only one left and and he makes a very powerful statement I won't I won't uh, leak it but it, but you need to watch it all the way through. And there's almost like a false ending at the end. So watch it all the way through. I, when you can walk away from a documentary and go, I 
feel like I got to meet these people or I had to experience this. When you're doing a documentary on a real life and a real person and a real experience, you walk out like, I feel like I was there now. Anyway, if you have any questions or if you want to be a part of that conversation, uh, again, uh, you can do john at marketingmediacupcakes.com or angel at marketingmediacupcakes.com and we will be happy to hear and share what your thoughts are. Because it's the time of year and I have done this so often with, you know, oh, we need to take something and I immediately go to the pantry. Now I am one of those people that typically has a little bit of everything in their pantry. Not everybody does. Um, But one of the first things that always comes to mind immediately for me when someone says we need to take something to share, I come up with bean dip. And when I mean a bean dip, I'm referring to the good old seven layered that people spend outrageous amounts of money on that are pre-made at Kroger or Costco or some other grocery store that you could easily make yourself in very little time with, I would hope, ingredients that you have. Now, this is a commonly called, is it the, what do they call seven three? Layer. Seven layer. I was going to say three layer because I buy it on a budget. Yeah. No, a seven layer dip. Seven layer dip. So it's, and it's, there's really, there's no cooking skills here at all because nothing cooking? gets cooked. Nothing gets cooked. Nothing gets cooked. Okay. Nothing at all. Okay. So it's literally, and again, I've made this before when I didn't have the beans. So, so if you've got refried beans, that's literally the bottom. And I, again, am extra, whereas some people are not. And there are recipes all over the place for this stuff. But I will take those beans. I will take them out of the can. I will add a little bit of salsa, a little bit of taco seasoning, and some cheese I don't heat anything. I just literally mix that up and that's what you spread. And just a plate, a a platter, if you can buy, even if you have to put it in like one of the lovely um, tinfoil, like throwaway containers that you can buy in the, you know, that's fine too. Because you're going to end up leaving the thing there and you'll you'll have to go back and see the people later. So, so that's what goes on the bottom. Then it's sour cream. Now you can use, Mm. just put your sour cream on, doesn't have to have anything in it. I, again, will put taco seasoning in the sour cream. How much do you say? It doesn't matter. So this is our second layer. That's our second layer. So we got refried beans on the bottom. Yep. Sour cream with maybe some zuzha in there. Yes, a little bit of something. And then... Now, it kind of... It depends on personality. This is when I put on salsa. And this is, again, where you can add a little... You know, you can either make your own if you've got... If that's your talent... Um, I've seen some people actually just use the Rotel tomatoes that have um, the okay. chilies already in them. I, I think that but doesn't have enough layer. Any, any salsa. Thicker, probably a little better. Um, it doesn't necessarily matter, to be quite honest. I think it's okay. personal preference, but You're, chunkier seems to be like better. Half inch worth on there? It doesn't matter. It's whatever really you your, what, whatever you've got. Okay. If you've got a half a jar of salsa, spread it out. I mean, okay. you're going to, you know, the flavor is what you're going for. Refried beans, sour cream with some juice. Salsa. Correct. We're up to three. And now here's where, so my seven layer doesn't necessarily come to be seven because you're now catering to taste. Uh-huh. So the next one that's as a have to is cheese. Of course. So again, it's shredded is best. Of course. Please do not use Velveeta or something inside a plastic no, wrapper. That, that will be a, um, yeah. So some sort of shredded cheese. I've even made um, taco dip with part mozzarella because that's what I had left and some Colby. So it's just whatever kind of Mm. shredded cheese you have, that's what's next. So that's four. four. Now, this is where it can get into, I always do lettuce 
and I make okay. my I do a really really fine dice, so yep. you don't need a lot. Yeah. It's again, it's about you don't want sprinkling like a big leaf showing. Yeah, up. you're not yeah. making a salad. It's just a it's a presentation factor. Okay. So a little bit of that. So and then I will based on the audience, and if I have them, I will actually use fresh tomatoes. They're just it's right. that pop of color, that little bit of red. Um, if you have red peppers in your refrigerator you could substitute that out if you have green peppers you could just something small it's all about the size so there is some cutting involved depending on what you're doing okay then the next toppers are going to be actual onion so some people put real onion you could put green onion you could use um it's a dip so it's got to be shredded it's It's got to be be small yeah Yeah, it's got to be something that not not too big a chunks and then you have your jalapenos if you so choose, you can use pickled jalapenos, okay. you can use jarred, can't, whatever you've got. Hungarian Again, really small Hungarian wax peppers, John's favorite. Even pepperoncini, if you've got those fun sure. things, you could, you know, cut those up really small. And you don't need a lot of anything when you're doing this because it's about, you know, creating, you know, that thing. The final, which some people do and some people don't, are black olives. Oh, yeah. So, you know, some black olives. Or green um, olives. Who cares? Um, mm, no. The green's a little too salty. In comparison, mm, I know you do, but okay. uh, it might be a bit overpowering because that's all you would taste. Okay, so, so if you could yield back the balance of your time, Senator, for a second, is there any place in this that we can put a avocado? You can most certainly put avocado okay. on there. The only problem you're going to experience with avocado is the fact they fast. get brown. Yeah. So if you want to, then you would cut your avocado up, and then you would definitely have to put a citrus like either a, some lemon juice or some lime juice over them in. before you sprinkle, gotcha. you know, so like you would cut them up into small pieces, put them in a bowl, toss them in a little, yeah. you know, lime juice or um, mm-hmm. lemon juice, and then put them on. That retards the browning, Okay. Um, you know, more. But again, that's all you need. Okay. And if you don't have tortilla chips, you swing by a either the grocery store or the convenience store or the gas station, grab a bag of tortilla chips and you're on your and way. And I can take it on the way. I don't have to get it cold. I don't, it's good to go. It's ready to roll. That's great. Uh, and I've made it before without um, beans and I've used my base instead of cream cheese. It sounds like if you've got everything there, you can make this in 10 minutes. Literally, that's all okay. it is. And you don't have, again, it doesn't have to be all seven layers. That's the beauty of okay. this kind of dip is you can customize it to what people like. So if somebody doesn't like tomatoes, yet my husband, he likes salsa, he doesn't like tomatoes. Right. So you leave the tomatoes off. You've got somebody who, you know, doesn't like black olives, then you don't put them on. Sure. Um, so, and I've done it before where, again, I didn't have any refried beans. So I used cream cheese instead. And the cream cheese I did warm through in the microwave simply to make it spreadable. And I did add some taco seasoning to it. If you don't have taco seasoning, a little cumin, a little chili powder, garlic powder, just some, just some, and spread that out. And then all that same stuff, still delicious. So you can make this gluten-free. You can make it uh, dairy, well, dairy-free, you can't make well, it dairy-free. I'm just hungry now. The, I, want, I want to make some of this. Well, the next one, which is beyond simple, um, and you could even stop at the store on your way <laughs> to the party to do this. Um, I've seen it. It's so easy, but it's literally a brick of cream cheese mm-hmm. on a plate, and over top of it, oh, okay. you put some sort of jelly 
or jam and usually something not not grape not strawberry not your basic run of the mill Mm -hmm. you get something like and you can find this in every grocery store unless you have it in your pantry something that's like either a hot pepper jelly a strawberry something um something that's unique it could be i had one that was a Oh, it was a lovely little berry that I can't think of. Um, but like you could do a blueberry or something that's just like a little, or an apricot, something that's a little different. Now, is this a dip? So basically what it ends up being is it's literally the brick of cream cheese. You pour the jam or jelly over it mm-hmm. and you serve it with crackers. And yeah. you, and Boom. again, it's, I remember the first time I had this at a friend's New Year's Eve party and I was like, what is this? And they said, oh, it's just, you know, it's just, a, it's cream cheese it's with a, this. And I'm like, and it was the best thing I'd ever I'll eaten. Eat, you know, the thing is, I like a good cocktail weenie every now and then, mm-hmm. but I don't want to eat that many of them. For one thing, because I spill it everywhere. Well, this is true. But, you know, this kind of stuff you're talking about, man, the seven layer dip and this thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and we've gotten into this little thing. We did this over Thanksgiving. We cutting up cheeses and stuff on a tray. Oh, making a charcuterie board. Uh, yeah. So much fun. Can't spell it, so I don't know what it is. Well. But, you know, the, if I just love that. And more and more, I'm beginning to like just that little simple you know, cut it up and just put it on a board kind of concept like you're yeah. talking about. So what's your third one? Well, the third one I have is a dessert. Um, and this one, so again, outside of cupcakes, and this one I've done multiple times. And what I love about this one is if you, if you, you can make it big or make it small. Okay. And I have learned from making, and this is a cheesecake, but we're not making a cheesecake. We're making individual cheesecakes. And it's basically taking your good old classic muffin pan or you can do this in minis, it's personal preference. Mm-hmm. And you can, instead of making a graham cracker crust, because you may, maybe you don't have graham crackers, maybe you don't have whatever, you use cookies. So you make, so Oreos. you use an Oreo, yep. you can use a chocolate chip cookie, mm-hmm. you can use a, excuse me, a vanilla wafer, you can use any kind of cookie that is circular typically Um, a nutter butter makes it a little bit of a challenge unless you're (laughs) making something small and then you break it in half Um, but they've got so many minis Mm -hmm. out now mini oreos you can make these small that's your crust you literally put that down in the bottom of your um of your you know put a muffin gotta have the muffin liners put that cookie down in there and then your basic and this when i say basic this is your basic cream uh excuse me basic cheesecake recipe almost everything i've done and i've done this now it is a single brick of cream cheese one egg one quarter cup of sugar and at this point it's kind of like a half a teaspoon of vanilla and like a little bit of salt but if you don't want to make them vanilla then you could certainly use some other flavoring so if you want to make these maybe use a lemon Oreo mm-hmm. or a vanilla Oreo, you could make these lemon. So use a lemon flavoring or a little bit of lemon juice. So what do you call this dessert? Well, it's basically, they're just, they're mini cheesecakes. Mini cheesecakes so, okay. you know, I've done them before where I've used the Oreo. Um, I've used, you know, I've just done a basic vanilla cheesecake, you know, recipe, mm-hmm. but then I've, you know, added a little bit of Hershey syrup, like just a couple of drops and made a little swirl. Right. And now it becomes a... You know, a chocolate, you know, cheesecake, or you do a little caramel, or you add, you know, mini chocolate chips to the actual mm, cheesecake batter. Yes. Um, I mean, it's, they're so simple. And because you can make, because that ratio that I just described, which is 
one brick of cream cheese, so it's an eight ounce brick, one egg and one quarter cup of sugar with then a little flavoring, which be your vanilla or something. Those go in a, in a 350 degree oven. I think it's probably 12 to 15 minutes. Okay. If you're making minis, it's probably 12. Yeah. It's They're so simple and you can make them all plain. And that's where then again, these jams and jellies and other things. Beautiful. Um, pie, you know, pie filling is a fantastic thing you do. So you could have cherry cheesecake. Right. What is cherry cheesecake? It's just the lovely cheesecake with some cherries on top. So I made a bunch of little minis one time. You could do them in a little uh, thingies, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. So you literally just take one out and you plop a single cherry on top, which I think I'm going to make for my flopper on uh, Christmas, uh, Eve. Christmas Eve. Nice. Um, but they're so simple. And so again, when you think about that, that ratio, so if you needed to make, you wanted to make more, mm-hmm. then it's two bricks, two eggs, and a half a cup of sugar. So well, it's just so, we'll put this in the we'll, show notes. We'll I'll give the, this to John. We'll um, have in the show notes. And because let's face it, networking and showing up at a client's house with a proper dessert makes an impression mm-hmm. if you're you know and i love you know whenever i can yeah angel makes me cupcakes that i can take to my clients we did that today for some clients of ours and we do it because we like our clients but but it you know she does get some business from it too they'll like, hey could you make us this and that uh, but it makes a difference food brings us all together mm-hmm. so <laughs> that's one thing we say in this podcast it's like yeah you got to know how to communicate you have to know your media but you should also know how to you know zhuzh it up and bring some fun food to your clients or your prospective customers or whatever it makes an impression on them and then again this nothing i just described here even if you are afraid in the kitchen don't like the kitchen if i need to go and go to the pantry it's like okay what are we going to cook and that's what, what are we going to have do? what am i going to do today and exactly and you don't have time mm-hmm. and you don't want to go to the store let's just make something so this is great so again we'll have this in the show notes oh let me give you my quick one real fast yes so my real quick one i just call them deadly onion things yes your so, deadly onion things. and this is and, and you may have to go get something on this but typically what my deadly they're a little hors d'oeuvre that I, I, I used to make like 40 of them and just eat them watching documentaries. Um, <laughs> you just take, you get you get a pack of hard salami. Yep. Um, I mean, the hard stuff. It's like, it's not the big wide bologna size. It's like hard salami, uh, cream cheese. Yep. The, the spreadable kind. I don't know what, is that the kind of the brick? You, you can get a brick or now they have them whipped in. So whipped, either one. Whipped is a little easier. You yep. can do it faster. And then green onions. That's it. And this all you do is it's like making a cigar. You take the green onion, you chop the little uh, fluffy end off, leave the white part, and you uh, put a little cream cheese in the on the hard salami and you roll that little sucker up and it's a little little hard salami cigar. And, uh, and, and it, I think serve best if you can put them in the refrigerator for a while. If you can make them in the morning and take them that evening, they'll be a little bit more solid. Um, but I, I just, I love those things and, uh, well, they always, well, they always get consumed. Oh, that, I mean, again, that's another thing and that's one of my favorite things, pinwheels. And yeah. I do pinwheels, not necessarily with meat and cheese, like people do as a sandwich, but I make or get a spread. So let's say you've bought, for example, a dip, like we bought a, a container of artichoke, yeah. um, spinach artichoke spinach, dip. Yeah. It's got the pieces, it's got the stuff. Take yourself a flour tortilla, spread that stuff on there. Maybe add a little extra Parmesan cheese or a little something. Uh, maybe some fresh parsley if you have something fresh. Roll them up, um, roll that into a plastic wrap, put them in the fridge so they can kind of firm up and then cut them. Oh my word, people lose their mind. And you're like, I literally just spread a dip on a circle and cut them into little things. And people think you've just 
you know, Makes you a just big invented impression. something. So well, that's, they're not as hard as you think they are. I hope that helps you out. We're here to help you out in everything from business to things in the kitchen. And again, you want to find our website at marketingmediacupcakes.com. We're also on social media on that same handle. And if you go to the website, though, and you can, you can record us a message. Uh, let us know some questions you have or comments. We'd love to hear from you. We love our, our, uh, our audience. Uh, we're also trying to add more videos to YouTube as well. So please share us with others. Um, we are right now doing a podcast every other week because we're making them a little longer if you haven't listened in a while. And uh, we think that's just having more, it's just allowing us to have more fun and get into more detail. So if there's topics we could get into, whether it's customer service, media marketing, or just desserts, we can talk about all of those things. So yes. until next time, from our family to yours, have a just a super Christmas and a great holiday season. Be safe, and we look forward to seeing you again in 2021. Keep living the dream. Connect with John and Angel via Facebook and Instagram and let us know your thoughts. Marketing Media and Cupcakes is a production of Ondo Media.